following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. I thought, here we are, January the 1st, might be appropriate to do a State of the Church address. And so clearly there will be some differences. Uh, chief among them is I plan to tell the truth. So that's going to be the first major. Y'all didn't even get that. I cannot believe. I thought that was going to hit really solid. And everybody's just like, my goodness. So here's, here's the thing. I'm trying to be nice. I mean, I am. Uh, I'll start the year off right. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, don't turn there, don't turn there. Um, I say that because, if you look right here, you see this table. What we'll do, not too many minutes from now, is we'll come to this table to observe communion, the Lord's Supper, and when we're given instructions, when God gave instructions to the church about this, he said through the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23 and on beyond that, he said, a man ought to examine himself before. So uh, that's why I said last Sunday I made it known, make sure everybody knew this is what we were doing today, so you'd have uh, at least a good week to examine yourselves. I can examine myself but if that's the case, because the reason that we examine ourselves is because we want to make sure, is there anything in my life that doesn't match up to Jesus? Is there any business I need to do with Him before I come to this table and remember His sacrifice on my behalf? That's, uh, and I'll say more about that in, in a, a few minutes. But in the same way, a man ought to examine himself. That's healthy. To, to look at ourselves and try to be objective and try to say, all right, Lord, if there, Psalm 139, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous or painful way in me. And what that means is David is crying out to God, God, if there's anything in my heart or life that doesn't match up to what you say, show me so I can get rid of that. Help me get away from that stuff and, and follow you. And so, in the same way, a man ought to examine himself. I have a firm conviction that a church should examine itself. If we don't ever evaluate, then we'll never know where we are. Are we hitting it right? Are we not? Are, are we... Do we need to improve? Do we need to start doing something or stop doing something or change something? You know, we, we have to be willing to examine ourselves. We don't want to live an unexamined life. Does that make sense? Everybody understand what I'm saying? So, typically, if you know me, I've been, you know, here we are, I'm, I'm almost five years in into this wonderful life together and you know I believe I hope you know what to expect I, I'm going to preach the Bible and, and so for me to depart from my 
standard of preaching verse by verse, line by line, through the Word of God, and to, to insert something different in there, that's, that's different. There's a reason for that. I don't just do that uh, without a lot of consideration. And so today, I thought it would be appropriate for us to together consider some things and, and ask questions to ourselves like this. What has happened? What have, what have we seen God do this last year? How, how are things going? What, what good things can we point to that we see God at work? And on the other side of that coin, we also have to ask a question that may not be as uh, comfortable or happy, and that is, what have we seen this last year that maybe we need to improve? What things need to, to be tweaked or changed? Or how can we do things better, more um, intentionally for the glory of God? Is there any areas of improvement we need to look at? And so if, if there are, we need to, to know that and we have to examine in order to find it. But here's the, the main thrust behind this whole perspective that I'm trying to share with you as we examine ourselves, as we consider the state of Berlin Baptist Church moving into 2023, there is a, a common theme, there is a mission we've been given. And that here's the terminology I'll use just to kind of give us a good um, footing as we move forward. There, there are words I'm going to use. Mission, vision, strategy. Okay? And here's what I mean by those. So I want to make sure I'm going to define my terms. Everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. When I say mission, here's what I mean. God has given us some orders. He's told us what we should be doing. If we're going to call ourselves a church that belongs to Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, then here's what we need to be about. The Great Commission, the Great Commandment. So everybody understand what I'm talking about when I say that? The Great Commission. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Make disciples of all nations. That's our mission. What's the commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those two things, both found in Matthew's Gospel. The Great Commission is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. The Great Commandment in Matthew's Gospel and in, in Mark, I believe, also. Love God with everything you have and love people in the same way. Love people with the love of Christ. So those two things, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, that's our mission as a church, which means what is our vision? Our vision for us, how do we accomplish the mission? Now, I will say this. Every church that is founded on the blood of Christ has the same mission. Every church that calls itself a church following the Bible and following Jesus has the mission 
to make disciples of all nations and to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbors as themselves. That's every church. Okay? So the mission is the same. But here's where it gets tricky. The vision, the vision is different. The vision is unique to a local body of believers. So, to explain, we have the same mission as a church in Cody, Wyoming. No difference. But, the vision for how that mission is accomplished in our context is going to be different for us sitting in Aiken County, South Carolina, versus people out in Cody, Wyoming. Because right? the, the setting is different. The people are different. The resources are different. The geography is different. The weather's different. You know, everything's different about the mission field where they reside. So our vision for completing the mission God's given us might look different than the vision of the church in Wyoming, but we're both after the same mission. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? The way we go about it, the way we think through it, God has gifted us here in Wagner Sally, South Carolina. He has gifted us with specific people, resources, facilities, gifts, skills, passions. This group, this body of believers, we have been specifically and uniquely gifted by God to do some things. So our job is to formulate a vision that's going to take full advantage of all that God has given us. You understand? We need to leverage everything God has placed here in a way that most glorifies Him and reaches the most people for Jesus. We okay so far? So, so here's my conviction. And I pray that you'll consider it and that you'll adopt it even as your own to, to you know, make it unique to yourself. But here's the general vision. I just want to take as many people to heaven with me as I can. I want, I want us to reach as many people for Jesus as possible. Y'all okay with that plan? Okay, uh, that, means, that means we've got to open up our mouths and move our feet, and we have to tell people about Jesus. We cannot expect, as wonderful as this community is, we cannot expect to say, well, if people know where we are. If they want to come to church, they'll come. To... That's all well and good. But you find me a spot in the New Testament where the church put their sign up and said, y'all come, and then stayed in the church. Find me that example and then we'll discuss it. And the reason I say that is because it's not there. Everywhere you see in the New Testament, the church is going out, seeking the lost. Does that make sense? They're... they're Active. They're sent. Now, there's two main scriptures I want to focus on today as we talk about our vision. I've got some specific things I want to say and address and, and bring to our attention so that we can uh, kind of be on the same page together. But I'll show you and you'll see 
on the screen. Jesus said, I also send you. I send you. That doesn't just mean I have situated you in a place. It means I send you means motion, movement, going. Now, look at this first verse of Scripture. It comes from the Gospel of John. You can make a note of it. You can turn in your Bible if you'd like to. Obviously, the word's on the screen for you. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 21. John, chapter 20, verse 21, which, by the way, I mentioned the Great Commission is found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts. So if you want to go back and look at that, and you can make some notes if you like to, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Mark 16, verse 15. Luke 24, verse 44 through 46. John chapter 20, verse 21. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Five instances of the same sending message. And this is the one from the Gospel of John. It is the most concise Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, a couple things we need to know about that verse. Who is Jesus saying this to? He is speaking to His disciples, His followers, those who are with Him in ministry, those who claim Him as Messiah and King, He is speaking to His disciples. So, what does that mean for us? Well, very simply, it means this. If you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, then you are a disciple. And what does that mean? Jesus is talking to you. Jesus is talking to me. Jesus is saying specifically to His followers... The Father sent me here, and I'm sending you. I've given you a ministry. I've given you a mission. I've given you a message. The gospel truth. The life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Christ. The message about Jesus. That is what the gospel is. And it is very good news. So, we need to understand that Jesus says specifically He is sending His disciples out into the world. Which means, Jesus is sending us out into the world. We were never redeemed and forgiven to sit still. That was not the plan. Jesus said, therefore, go. He didn't say, therefore, invite people to come to you. Now, are we going to do that? Of course we are. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. It doesn't mean you don't invite people to church. That's a wonderful thing. In fact, I pray that you would love the church enough to want to invite people to come with you to church. That's a good thing. But Jesus said, therefore, go. Now, do you know what the verse right before that says? Jesus says, this is Matthew 28 that I'm, that I'm talking about, even though this is from John. 
In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So before Jesus told us to do anything, He reminded us that He is the authority. Jesus is King and He is unopposed. And so He has every right to look at His disciples, His followers, and say, Go. Go make disciples of all nations. And so that's what He did. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. So He didn't just say it. He, he prefaced it by saying, Just in case you forgot, I'm in charge here. And this is post-resurrection. So He had given every evidence necessary that He's in charge. Now this second verse of Scripture, it's two verses really, this comes from Acts chapter 1, which is the final, the fifth Great Commission passage. But I want you to see the verse before it, because we always talk about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, 8. Um, you'll receive power, you'll be my witnesses. All right, but look at the verse before it. Because Jesus had just been asked a question. His disciples, this is also post-resurrection, His disciples... Look at him, and they ask this question. So, is it now that you're about to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you about to take over? You know, because that's what they had been expecting all along. They were looking for this uh, mighty military leader. That's what they were expecting the king to look like when he came. They weren't expecting a baby, you know, in a dirty stable. They weren't expecting that level of humility. They were expecting... A, you know, a dude in a chariot on a horse or something, you know, just leading an army. But that's not the plan. So they're asking him now, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So here's his response, verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know. Times are epochs which the Father's fixed by his own authority. So let's stop right there before we get to the familiar part. You know what that means? We don't need to get distracted by a lot of details. Now, is it good to study the Word and de dive deep into it and, and look for uh, the truth and answers that God gives? Absolutely. Those, those, those are things that are, are great to do. But when it distracts us from our mission, then it becomes somewhat of a liability. You understand? Everything is in its proper place, in its proper priority. So if we devote all our time and energy and effort to finding out answers to questions that are in our minds, and we neglect then going out and sharing the gospel with people, then maybe we've kind of misordered our priorities. So Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times of the epics that the Father has fixed by His authority, but, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, which happened in Acts chapter 2, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth, to the ends of the earth. So, let's look at this. I've highlighted, and I'm going back to my notes here, I've highlighted some words so I make sure I, I, I emphasize these. So they ask the question. Jesus answers, it's not for you to know these times. But, instead, he says, you're going to get some power 
So, so what's he said so far? Again, he's speaking to his disciples. That's the audience. So that's us. If you follow Jesus, you're a disciple. He's speaking to you. He warns his disciples in verse 7 about becoming preoccupied with the timing of his full return. Okay, so not that we shouldn't be concerned or aware of those things, but don't get preoccupied. Don't get your priorities out of order, basically is what he's saying. Then he tells his disciples they will be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So I want you to notice a word there. Look at verse 8. The conjunction that changes the contrast there. But you will receive. So what does that tell us? Do we have to wonder if it's going to happen or not? Definitely not. Because Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Now, for the Christian, after the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, it's recorded right there in the Scriptures for us, today, when someone hears the Gospel and repents and believes in Jesus, what happens? They receive power because the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So that means, remember, who's the audience? The disciples. What do we know? If, if we're a follower of Jesus, that means we are disciples. So what do we know about disciples? If you have followed Jesus, guess what? You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So that first part of verse 8 has been fulfilled in your life, specifically. If you've followed Christ by repentance and faith, that means you have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Because we can't do the job God gives us without the power of God. So let's keep reading. You will receive. Then Jesus tells His disciples, they will be or shall be His witnesses. You see that as the verse goes on? You will receive power. And then, and you shall be My witnesses. Now, very important. Do we have to wonder whether or not we are supposed to be witnesses to Christ? If you're a disciple, Jesus said, you shall be, you will be. Not, um, if you've got time, I'd love for you to think about doing this. Please consider this request. That is not what Jesus... A, a king doesn't negotiate with his subjects. Does that make sense? When Jesus says, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to be my witnesses, he's not, he's not asking. He has given us a command. He's not suggesting that we be his witnesses. He's telling us, you will be my witness. That ought to change our perspective a bit. Jesus is not asking us to do anything. He's commanding us to do something. And if we do not have a perspective that shows us who we are in light of who He is, and we don't understand our relationship with Him, He's the King. 
He's the Master. He's the Lord. We're His children. We're His disciples. We're His followers. We do not dictate to our Master what we will and will not do. We obey what He tells us to do. Y'all okay? This has become so much more profound to me as I have considered these questions that I'm going to answer here in just a moment about us, about me. Because I have to consider myself individually before I ever think about the church. What am I doing? What do I need to, to fix? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to continue doing? What do I need to start doing? What's going on in my heart and life? See, I know that this is a little bit, maybe a little bit heavy, maybe it's a little coming across a little bit strong, and, and, but I don't apologize for that. Because here's the point. Before I ever get up here and try to tell you anything or, or share anything with you, I've got, to, I've got to look right here inside my heart. And I've got, I've got to consider those same questions, and I've got to be, in some moments, brutally honest with myself and say, well, you're, you, you kind of messed that up. You, you're not doing this as well as you should. When's, you know, wh- where's the consistency in your gospel witness? Yeah, you, you share the gospel, but wh- where's the intentionality? Where's the urgency? Why aren't you sharing the gospel more often like you ought to be? You're standing up in front of a church full of people and you're trying to tell them, encourage them, they need to be sharing the gospel. Well, are you doing that? That's the kind of questions I have to ask myself before I ever stand up here. Because I cannot, in good conscience, stand up here and look at you and and plead with you to obey the, the gospel mandate, the commission, to share Christ I can't look at you clearly and say those things if I'm not willing to say that to myself. If I'm not willing to go and be actively sharing the gospel, then why should I expect any of you to do that? Doesn't that sound fair? I can't just sit up here and tell you what to do and not do it myself. We are all in this together, folks. We are all given the same mandate from our commanding general. We're all given the same mission. So we have to consider these questions. And just underneath that initial statement from our king, when he says, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then he says, you will be my witnesses, look at what he says at the end of this verse. Not only do we not get to choose what the mission is, we don't get to choose where the mission is. This is really important. Really important. Look at the end of this verse. Jesus tells His disciples where they will be sharing the Gospel message. He says, You shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Did you see the words either 
or or anywhere in that Scripture. You see what I'm getting at? See, this is the uncomfortable part. This is the uncomfortable part. Jesus said both and, and, and. He, he did not say, hey, here's some, here's some uh, options for you. So you pick out which one you want and you go there. That's not what he said. And, and please understand, I, I, I didn't write the mail, I'm just delivering it. That's what Jesus said what Jesus said to his disciples. You will be my witnesses both here and here and here and here and here. So our gospel targets are not either or. They're both and. Now, let me clarify. Okay? Does that mean every single one of us has got to be going here, 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 and here? Of course not. Of course not. But there's three words that we need to consider in the context of our mission. Three words. Here they are. Ready? Pray. Give. Go. Real simple. Pray, give, go. Everybody that is a disciple of Jesus Christ can be involved, actively involved in the mission given to the church in some way or other. Is everybody in here going to get on a plane and go to another country to share the gospel? Of course not. Of course not. But, everybody in here, everybody in here can pray. Many people in here can give. Some people in here are being called to go. But whatever level you're on, you're involved in the mission. Do you think in a military campaign that the family members on the home front are any less engaged in that activity than the man on the front line? Totally different context, but they are in it. You, you ask a military spouse. You ask military children. Ask them if they're involved. They might not be out there holding a rifle, holding down a position in, in combat, but they're involved. You think the people back in the, at the base that are planning all the logistics and getting all the intel and trying to chart out the best course and the best plan of action to be successful, they're not out there fighting the enemy. You think they're not involved? See, everybody's got a task. Everybody's got a job. But everybody is involved. Everybody is supportive in the mission. Does that make sense? You understand? You tracking with me? Everybody in God's church has to be behind the mission, supportive of the mission. Whether you're praying or giving or going or some combination of the three, you're involved, you're engaged, you're supportive of the mission. So when Jesus says, I also send you, He's looking at every single one of us. So does that mean, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, ask the commander-in-chief. Are you meant to just to be a prayer warrior 
and be really supporting the mission by praying for everyone involved, every aspect? Are, are you given resources? Has God blessed you in such a way where you can financially or in other ways support with resources the mission of the church of getting the gospel to neighborhoods and nations? You know, people say this to me all the time, and, and, and I don't mean anything by this, I just want, this is just the truth. You know, when I talk about, well, we're trying to plan, you know, some ministry here and here, trying to, to be active in our mission, be obedient. And they say, well, there's, there's plenty of work to do right around here. Why we got to go? You know what? That's true. But Jesus didn't give me the option to say, well, I can just be here and not be here. He said everywhere. So, so don't come to me and say, well, we don't need to go here because there's plenty of people right here. Okay, I get that. Are you telling the people here about Jesus? Because if you use that as an excuse, well, we don't need to go to this state or this country or anywhere because there's plenty of people right here in Wagner that don't know Jesus, but you're not sharing the gospel with the people here in Wagner, then don't come to me and tell me that. Because that doesn't track. If you're not telling people about Jesus here, then you have zero input to the mission to go somewhere to, to, to tell somebody about Jesus and needs to know. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just telling you the truth. Jesus said, here and here and here and here. That means to some degree, and we have to determine, pray and determine uh, how we're going to be involved. But when we plan to go on mission to people who have no access to the gospel, that's part of the mission. We are blessed here in this state, in this country. We have so much access to the gospel and access to God's Word. How many of you, I've asked you this before, how many of you own a Bible? Just think about that. How many of you own more than one Bible? I can walk right in there in that office and I can touch my hand on probably 15 different Bibles not to mention electronic copies, we have unhindered access to the gospel. There's people who don't have that. There's people who don't have a Bible at all. There's people who have not heard the name Jesus. We are so uncommonly blessed with access to the gospel. So, yes, there is lots of work to do right here. And, and by God's grace, we're going to do it the best we can, as much as we can. But we can't neglect other places just because there is work to do here. There is work to do here. There's also work to do other places. And Jesus said to be involved, not to pick one, to be involved. Neighborhoods and nations. Everywhere. We take the gospel with us Everywhere we go. We're meant to be sent. Look that round. I didn't even mean to do that. We're meant to be sent out. So here's the things on my radar, locally here, in our community, in our church family. You know, I think about what things have we done well, what things have, has God done among us. People have joined the church this year. People have been baptized this year. I have a list of people who are considering membership in the church right now. I have at least one, maybe two, baptisms that I need to schedule right now. God is doing some good things. 
People are being saved. The church is growing. Those are good things. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that. But what are some things that maybe could use some improvement? How about personal evangelism? Personal evangelism. It means exactly what it sounds like it means. Each of us, individually, intentionally, being on mission, wherever we are, in our spheres of influence. When we, you know, if we're, if, if we are, um, if our uh, career or vocation, our work is, hey, I'm, I'm running uh, a farm, I'm, I'm growing crops, I'm managing chicken houses, I'm, uh, I'm dealing with uh, people who service those industries. You know, when you come across people, you're thinking, I wonder if they know Jesus. How can I be Jesus to them today? If you're working in an office where there's people around you, or if you're in a business where you're in interaction with people from time to time, whatever the business is, whatever the job is, you interact with people, then I'm thinking, everybody that comes across my path, I wonder if they know Jesus. How can I be Jesus to them today? How can I share the love of Christ? If you're in school, if you're you know, under 22 years old and you're some level of school, then you're in classes, you're, you're interacting with professors, you're, you know, you've got teachers, you've got classmates, you've got people all around you, then I'm thinking intentionally, I wonder if they know Jesus. How can I share the love of Christ with them today? That's on your radar, that's up at the top, that's something you're thinking about all the time. And so whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, I'm sitting there pumping gas. And, and my kids will tell you this, and they hate it, how much I talk to people. They, they can't say, oh, we're going to be here for another half hour. Dad doesn't start talking to somebody again. You know, they can't stand it. I go to a restaurant, I go to, you know, to the grocery store, I'm pumping gas. It doesn't matter. They say, oh, there he goes again. Talking to they don't even know him. He's just talking to them. You know, so I understand. But how else are we going to share the gospel if you don't open your mouth and talk to people? You can't read their minds. You can't assume, well, oh, they, they probably go to church somewhere. We're in the South. That, that doesn't track anymore. Not at all. This might have used to have been the Bible Belt, but I think that, that buckle's done been thrown out. You can't assume that stuff anymore. You've got to talk. You've got to be Jesus. Personal evangelism. How about this? How about Bible study? Sunday school. Every Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, got Bible study. Got Sunday school. Small groups. Chance to discuss the Bible, learn more about the Bible, dialogue more. You know, we're not, Sunday morning, we're not dialoguing a lot in here, you know. It's not back and forth. But in the small groups, you can talk more. Build relationships. That's healthy. But I will tell you, all you got to do is look at the, the numbers. And the next Sunday night, we're going to have our family forum four times a year. We're gonna, I'm going I'm to get a number. So I'm going to get a number. This, this is our average uh, attendance in Sunday school for this past three months. I can tell you right now, it's less than half of the number of people sitting in this room right now. Maybe a third. 
a man ought to examine himself. Sunday school, personal evangelism. What about children's ministry? What about student ministry, middle school and high school? What about college students? What are we doing in those areas? How are we ministering to those groups effectively? There's things we can improve. God is working. People are being baptized. People are joining the church. Good things are happening, but there's room for improvement. Personal evangelism, Sunday school, children and youth and college ministry. Those are things we should be talking about, thinking about, praying about. How can I be a part of the solution? How can I serve? How can I help? What can I do? What has God given to me that I can offer in His service that would build up the kingdom, that would glorify His name? So, all right, I think I've said everything I've set out to say. Maybe a little more. Sorry. It happens about every week. Sorry. So what does it truly mean to be sent in the context of the Great Commission? There's, there's two really, really powerful statements that I know that I've been told in my lifetime in the last 20 years. And I just want to share them with you. And maybe they'll have an impact in your lives as well. The first one is from one of my mentors. He's been here to speak a couple of years ago. Alvin Reed. Uh, well, he was my professor in evangelism. And he was also my doctoral uh, advisor. He says, the church is not an institution. It's a movement. We're not meant to sit still. We're not just to meet and greet and sit and be. It's a movement. It's a movement of God's people. And before, before this last one comes up, I want to just say something about it. So, so hold, up that, hold up that slide here for just a second for the, for the last one. This is the Word. For me, I'm going to try my best under God's grace to live this out more on purpose this year. This is the Word that, that is in my heart right now. Urgency. I, I, have not, I have not been urgent enough. I've tried to do what God tells me to do. I've tried to be obedient. But I have not been urgent enough with the gospel. I've shared the gospel. I have. I've read the Bible. Uh, I missed yesterday. So the, the 31st day of December, the last day, the 365th day of the year, i still got to read today to complete my Bible reading for, the, for this past year. So I missed it yesterday. But I've tried to read the Bible every day. And, and most times I've done it. And so i got one more. But I haven't been urgent enough. You know what that means, urgent? Look at this last quote from Carl F.H. Henry. Take it in. Please take it in. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And, and this, is, this is a theological truth. If we believe the Bible, if we believe that a person must 
hear the Gospel of Christ and respond in repentance and faith in order to be saved and forgiven. If, we, if, if that's what we believe in the Scriptures, what Jesus teaches us, then just listen to me. Listen, in, in the hour and change we have been in this room, across this world, in the last 70 minutes, hundreds of thousands I'm sorry People have died without Jesus. We got to get there in time. <laughs> this is funny. Last night I'm at I'm at a wedding. Such a happy time. And. Uh, I'm sitting, the reason, you'll understand why I'm about to tell you this. The last, the last thing J.T. Wooten says to me before we walk up to the front of the, of the tent, he said, uh, just want to warn you, Pastor Mike, if I get up there and start to ugly cry, just forgive me because it might happen. <laughs> and then I'm sitting here like, like this. That just crossed my mind, I'm sorry. Time's short, y'all. We, we don't know. We have no idea. But we've got the solution. So we ought to examine ourselves. We ought to be obedient to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.